Welcome to Converse from the Couch. I'm Nikki Lianza, and on this episode, we'll talk about youth and foster care with Melanie Prepity. Melanie's a licensed independent social worker with more than 25 years experience working with children, teens, and adults. She specializes in reactive attachment disorder, trauma, and PTSD, all of which unfortunately are things that foster youth can struggle with. Melanie brings up so many points about the difficulties that foster youth face, especially during the holiday season, since we know Thanksgiving is right around the corner. She also emphasizes how important it is to get these youth into good foster homes, and even better yet, adopted. So please enjoy this episode with Melanie Pepiti. Welcome to Convos from the Couch from Lifestance Health where each episode, you'll hear engaging and informative conversations with leading mental health professionals that will help guide you on your journey to leading a healthier, more fulfilling life. Melanie, it's so good to have you on today. Thank you so much for having me on. And this is the perfect time to talk about this topic because November is actually National Adoption Month. I want to get our conversation started by sharing some facts by the Department of Health and Human Services about foster youth. So they say on any given day, almost 424,000 children are living in the U.S. foster care system. And this number has been steadily rising over the last several years. They also say that over 122,000 of these children are eligible for adoption, and they will wait on average for four years to get an adoptive family. So we see how crucial it is to have this conversation to help get these kids adopted. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, 20% of those kids who will age out of foster care will end up homeless on their 18th birthday because they have no families to go to. They're, they've aged out, they're not reunited with their families and they have uh, no one that they can you know, kind of lean on and count on. That is such a striking statistic. Um, I actually used to be a, a supervisor in a program helping youth aging out of the foster care system. And so, you know, we did our best, but I also know I saw a lot of kids go homeless as well, which is it's just a terrible tra- tragedy for sure. So, right, so thank right, you for right. sharing that statistic. And let's start by telling us a little bit more about your own work with foster youth. Right. So I have... Um probably 25 years of working with children and teens, and that ranged from residential to foster care uh, to adoption and, you know, really uh, specializing in uh, children who have had attachment disorders, a lot of trauma, um, a lot of abuse, things like that. And so just helping them to, um, you know, learn how to be in families and how to adapt to not turn to their birth families and adjusting to be being in a new family, you know, helping families navigate that as well. Which is really important. You mentioned working with reactive attachment and, you know, whenever we interrupt, uh, especially with foster youth in the system, literally interrupt their attachments with their biological families, things like that. Can you tell us a little bit about the importance of attachment? Oh, well, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, definitely. I mean, it starts from the moment their a child is born, really, you know, attaching to their families. And if they're experiencing abuse in their birth home, that it's disrupted then. And when they're removed, it's just multiple caregivers, you know, and most kids 
um, in foster care, I think it says that they've been in like up to three homes um, in the times that they are on average um, while they're in foster care. Um, So, you know, just having consistent caregiving, consistent uh, information, consistent nurturing, um, you know, you know, you're throwing in the abuse that they've experienced or neglect or abandonment by the parent um, or other caregivers for that matter. Um, you know, all of those things sort of damage their ability to feel safe and attached in relationships. Which emphasizes the need for making sure we get them into stable foster homes or if they're not returning to their biological family, that we get them into good adoptive homes as well. Absolutely. It's so key to figuring out what's the best placement for the child and where they're going to thrive. I'm guessing with this time of year, with the holidays coming up, it can make things really difficult for foster youth. So can you, can you talk more about that? Right. So I think that, you know, you know, in uh, media and things like that, you know, the happy holidays and happy Thanksgiving and all the families getting together. You know, I think that we often forget that there are um, children who don't have their biological families to go back to or um, are, are with an, a foster family, but the foster family is going to travel and they uh, have the foster child like in respite with somebody else for the holidays. So they're not even with the family that they've been staying with, you know, so it's really complicated. Yeah, that's tough. A happy time. Like they're sort of, you know, sometimes upended or their uh, rituals that they had with their birth families aren't the same as the foster homes. And, you know, it's, it's hard. How will this affect their mental health, their behavior during this time? I'm assuming that would definitely have an effect on them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because children in foster care are already more prone to depression, anxiety, and things like that as well, just by the fact of being in foster care. So, you know, they're more likely to be more depressed during the holidays, the higher anxiety, you know, increased behaviors, particularly if they're not going to be included in their foster family's celebrations. You know, so they're not even feeling part of um, that situation. So, again, all those things, you know, impact their, you know, their level of functioning during that time. It's really hard. Right, you know, right. No. Here, when we're acting out, you know, all kinds of different things. So I agree. I agree. So what would you tell a foster youth navigating the system? Um, overall, I would um, try to, as I've done with many teens, and that is to, you know, to really um, take advantage of the resources that are available. Like, I know it's really difficult, but I think that, you know, um, attending their therapy sessions, you know, really trying to, um, trying to do their schoolwork, trying to uh, use the resources that are available, like with even with transitional living, you know, they can many times, uh, you know, teens, can uh, engage in transitional living or, you know, if they're finishing their high school, if it's past 18, they can stay in care until they're 21, you know, as long as they're Oh, I don't think a lot of people realize that. So helping them to know, and then they're raising, you know, they're sort of uh, accumulating money for themselves. So they're not homeless and no income or no money at all. Um, But I think it's just sort of, um, it's difficult to try to, you know, try to tell them, oh, but just do whatever we tell you to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, um, mm-hmm. but I think that it's sort of because it's difficult for them to trust, you know. Yeah, I think that, I'm sure. You know, 
I think more for us as workers is, and uh, clinicians and therapists and whatnot is to make sure that we are doing everything we can to make them feel that they can trust us and that we're there and mm-hmm. we can help them navigate the system um, and for them to ask their caseworker questions about mm-hmm. what is available to them, what can they do? You know? And actually, you know, what I'm thinking right now is just, you know, emphasizing how difficult it would be to be a foster youth and, and yeah. the system isn't perfect and, you know, things like that. You know, I'm not sure if a lot of people will even recognize how a youth gets into foster care. Right. And, right. you know, maybe walking through that process of how a youth even gets into foster care and then, you know, looking at maybe how parents become foster parents. So let's, let's talk about that. So can you share some of your knowledge and, and what brings kids into foster care? Uh, well, there's obviously, there's a, a lot of different things. I mean, certainly the ones that people are most familiar with are, you know, of, of you know, at some form of abuse by the parent that is um, significant enough for them to be removed um, for safety reasons. Um, uh, Sometimes the parent is unable to care for the child. I mean, sometimes there, you have uh, some adults that are so severely mentally ill or um, mm-hmm. intellectually challenged that they are not able to adequately care for their child. And so it's not that they don't want to, they just aren't right. able to. Um, or even substance usage right. might be a significant problem as well. Huge. Right. Yep, that was the next one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So, so that's how they end up in, you know, in the foster care system. Um, obviously you would try to get kids into kinship care if possible. So that would be placed with a family member, which is even more important, you know, if possible, if there's viable family members that can take them, um, particularly if they're siblings, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes these kids are separated yeah, you know, from heartbreaking. Their siblings in different mm-hmm. foster homes. So, um, you know, so that also adds just an extra layer. So kinship care is obviously the best choice and then foster care. Um, and then, so, you know, from there. Yeah. And, and so there's always been a need for foster parents yes. and, you know, the road to becoming a foster parent isn't as easy as people think, you know, there's specific right. trainings and things like that. Um, you know, another piece that I don't think people realize with being a foster parent is that there is a reimbursement to help with the cost of, you know, working with the child and providing the home for the child and things like mm-hmm. that. But it's, it's, it's not there for the reimbursement. They're there because they want to help these children out and these very vulnerable youth out and everything. But can you share with us how the process of how to become a foster parent? Right. So the process of becoming a foster parent certainly is that there's so many different um, organizations that are um, foster care organizations. So it's not just you know, through the county children's services, there are other organizations and depending on where you live, there's obviously some religious based ones and there's, you know, just community based ones or through local community mental health, things like that. So um, that would be part of it. Um, But there's also a lot of training, you know, they once they figure out what organization they'd like to work with, there is training um, that they need to attend a lot of them. And, um, and it's really important that foster parents sort of pay attention to the information because it's going to make a difference on what kind of uh, uh, kids are going to be coming into their home. Right. Um, and I, because these are know, kids that are coming with, with right. attachment issues, emotional issues. And that's right. because their attachments have been so interrupted, many placements. 
you know, things like that, especially coming from the trauma of just abuse and neglect. So it's coming hand in hand with kids who are really struggling. So it's, it's really imperative that foster parents are understanding that and making sure they're going through the training and being at a good place to navigate that with kids. Yeah. Right. Right. And to, and to knowing what they can or can't handle themselves as well, like really, truly being honest, like, can I do this or can I only do this with certain ages or certain, you know, like, you know, males or females or, you know, things like that so that you, you know, you kind of know yourself really well and know what kind of kids you can handle. Right. That's important. Otherwise they have enough extra placement that, Right. You know, right. Right. Another disappointment to add to their list, unfortunate disappointments. I think foster parents also need to recognize that you are bringing you are changing the dynamic of your home as you have a foster youth there. And that's not necessarily negative. It's just being mindful if you have your own children and you're bringing another child in, you know, making sure things mesh well, that the kids are getting along as as best as everyone's able to, because you're bringing in another dynamic. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a good point. No, please talk more about that. Yeah, I mean, I think you need to talk to your, not only the family that you live with, but also your extended family to, you know, to make sure that you have that support if that's important for you, you know, that they mm-hmm. are also, you know, behind you if you need that extra support for some reason, you know, or making sure that your kids are on board with it. You know, right, they're that's, not that's on board, a key it's one. not going to maybe go as well as you would hope. Right, right, so, I agree. Yeah. What else do you think, makes it very difficult uh, for youth in foster care? Um, What makes it extra difficult? Um, I just think just the uncertainty of what's happening. I mean, they don't have any control over whether their parent is working a case plan or not. You know, um, they don't have any control over whether their parents show up for visits. Very true. Um, You know, you throw in sometimes there's court involvement that they have to testify for certain things. So there's a lot that makes it really difficult for them that often we don't think about those aspects of it as well. Okay, Melanie, I think we made it clear how difficult the holidays can be for foster youth, but what can we actually tell people to do to help? Right. So uh, there's a couple things that people can do even year round um, with uh, foster care youth is that they uh, often when children are removed from their homes and then often moving from one foster home to another, they don't have luggage. They don't have bags, you know, like a duffel bag or anything that they're their stuff is oh, put in a trash bag and they're okay. moved. I can't even imagine how that would make them feel, because when you have nothing else to put your stuff in besides a trash bag, what message does that give to the youth? Oh, right. Gosh. So what people can do is they can contact organizations um, and they can donate like duffel bags or, you know, any sort of like any bag that would hold enough for a child to remove move most of their clothing into some sort of type of luggage that would um, be not a trash bag. You know, right, so they can donate right. those kind of bags. Um and then, you know, oftentimes, um, just because of the resources available in foster homes and things like that, they don't often have the same kind of Christmas that kids, you know, biological kids would have in their own home. And so there's oftentimes there's, you know, toy drives and things like that um, where people can donate, you know, toys and clothes and whatever, you know, new stuff for mm-hmm. uh, to be wrapped up to be given to these uh, to foster care um, kids so that they have a Christmas 
That makes me remember a time where my children and I were wrapping holiday gifts for a foster youth toy drive, and I had to explain to my kids that these one or two presents we were wrapping for the foster youth may be the only presents they get throughout the whole holiday season. So that really opened my kids' eyes up to what it would be like around the holidays for foster kids. Great when we can incorporate our, you know, our own children or, you know, uh, sibling nieces and nephews and things like that to help them be even just become a little bit more aware because then they can be more even sensitive to peers, you know, that they attend school with, you know, so that they mm-hmm. can just become a little bit more aware of differences in the world too. And not everybody has what they have. Okay, Melanie, as as we look to wind down our conversation today, is there anything you'd really like to emphasize for those who are trying to understand the plight of foster youth? Right. I, I think the one thing would be to, as we do with many people in our daily lives, is when people are struggling or acting out or things are going on, that we just try to remember that we don't always know, you know, what people are going through or what they're struggling with and to just to be kind. You know, I think mm. that, you know, using mm-hmm. the holidays to be thankful and, you know, then to be kind, you know, to those around us, um, you know, including foster right. care kids, including you know, co-workers, including everybody and, and, and people that we live with. So, right. Yeah. And that's a great message for this upcoming holiday season as well. So, so thank you, Melanie. It was great having you on. You're a wealth of knowledge on this topic and thank I you. wish you happy holidays. All right. Happy holidays to you as well. And thank you so much for having me on. You're welcome. Thanks everyone for listening to Convos from the Couch from Life Stance Health where we are reimagining mental health. Please don't forget to subscribe to Converse on the Couch on Apple or Google Podcasts. Please take care.